In this episode of the Business Broken to Smoking podcast, we continue with part three of our interview with Joshua Petrosini. Mark and Joshua pick up their conversation on the book, Predictably Irrational. Go check out episodes 050 and 051 if you missed the first and second parts of this interview. So, all right. So, let's shift into this book now. Okay. So, we've... Uh, I love that conversation. Dude, that way. was awesome. Well, all right. So, uh, predictably irrational. Dan Ariely. Yeah. The pay, it's like freaking 200, 300 pages. I listened to it on audio. Me too. Then I bought the book later. Bought a, a couple copies. Marked it up some. There was a money quote. Well, so first of all, what was your? You told me about this. Yeah. How'd I get into it? Well, yeah. How'd you, yeah. Who turned you on to it? How'd you? Yeah. So, you know, like every time I'm here downstairs, like I'm super curious and I'm like always snooping around at your mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. I want to know what people are reading. What's yeah. up? Yeah. What should I be reading? I think it's probably June. I was down in South Carolina. I was at a buddy's house and like yourself, another dude I respect highly. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at all his books. I'm like, all right, what are you reading? What are you liking? And he, and he points this one out. Of all the books. He's like, this one's fascinating. Mm. I'm like, well, tell me about it. He's like, behavioral economics. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Right. What's that mean? As opposed to uh, Adam Financial Smith economics. economics. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supply yeah. and demand, right. Clean, so I'm like, oh. straight, clean economics. Yep. So I start looking through it. I'm like kind of interested in it. He's talking to my wife. His wife's talking to my wife. And I'm like looking through it. I'm looking at the, the names of the chapters, mm-hmm. right? So then we have a long family journey. So I'm I'm like, I'm gonna find this thing. So I've got some I've got fifteen hours to head north. So I'm like, I'm gonna get this book, I'm gonna listen to it. I'm a couple chapters in, I text him, I'm like, dude, this is fascinating. It's fascinating. And right off the riff, my brain's going nuts. Mm. Cause I'm like, this would be good for me. This would be good for management. This would be good yeah. for marketing. This would yeah. be good for parenting. This would be good for the way I father my kid. This would be good for the way I manage my people. And there's a lot of stuff in there yeah. about like what we're influenced by and how we're making decisions. And how I started the the whole session here is like in 10 years, man, I might not be able to give you a 15-minute summary on a book I read 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But like the not the book per se. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm neither here nor there, but like the content of mm-hmm. the book, yeah. I think is pretty valuable. Yep. And like, if we can figure out our limitations, our weaknesses, and learn how to make better decisions quicker, this could be pretty pivotal. You agree? I mean, yeah, like from absolutely. your take, yeah, yeah. I do the same thing. <clears throat> I I pull all kinds of weird little nuggets out of books. And I'm always looking at them very broadly, and I'm always kind of scanning for how is this going to apply? Who can I apply this Same. to? Same. Right? And it's I'm, I'm shocked at how little, how infrequently people do that. Yes. And I don't know if that's some sort of like. It's like how like, you were wired yeah, or it's something. a code problem. Or, yeah. Like, do I have some sort of glitch? Like, Shane, did I have something stuck mm-hmm. on my back? Like, what, what is this? I didn't mean this? to talk to you about that. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so. want to read more of his books. I don't. I know he's got seven. He's got like an eighth one coming out in mm. September here. Because this is like um, 15 years old or something. Is it? Yeah. It's that old? I think so. Okay. I didn't know it was that old. It's. Uh, I mean, it still feels relevant. For oh, yeah. I want to say I it's 08. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I guess that's a while ago. <laughs> it's scary, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm 
looking it up here. Oh, wait. There it is. Original. Now, this one, uh, they updated this at some point, but you're right. this particular version. Did you get some Garden of Eden stuff in there? What do you mean? Well, like, I remember thinking <clears throat> a couple chapters in while listening to this, I was like, all right. Well, oh, sorry. Um, I remember thinking, all right, there's the Carnivy and there's the, the knowledge of good and evil. No, you know, there's the, 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 the tree of life. There's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. There's the thing we want that we can't get. And like, so he starts talking about his own experience and then it goes into truth about relativity. And then there goes about choices and then it goes about like influence and the, and the mm-hmm. ways that we're, the whole book is about, <clears throat> Our behavior is irrational, but it's predictable. So, I mean, every chapter has at least one or two case studies about whatever theme he's talking about. And there is a particular thing that, like, is it is it the um, fear of loss? Is it the thing that we want to be unique in? Is it the... Um, the fear of missing out? Is there... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to give up this particular um, thing that I, I, I have obtained already. I don't mm-hmm. want to lose out on this thing. Mm-hmm. And and the things we're influenced by or um, or the decisions that we make are influenced by other voices that come about. Like the things we can't have that we want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember thinking about this old... And it was like a Peter, I got to think of the guy's name. It's a fascinating book I read about a decade ago. Talking about the the forbidden fruit mm. and how it's all about the forbidden fruit that we want, the, the thing that we can't get, that we were like, all of a sudden we're like, all right, I, that's the thing I'm going to go after. Hmm. Did you get any of that? Mm-mm. No, none? I mean, I, I, it makes sense, but I didn't. You know, I was I, the decoy thing hit me hard. You know, as far that as was really cool. Yeah, how far and, in are you, Shane? That's about where I'm at. Okay, right at the beginning. It was. It's interesting how we're not rational. No, like we are almost entirely it's embar- sensory. It's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of embarrassing, right? Yeah. Like, dang, I'm, I'm I'm just like some sort of like Neanderthal. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't even know our. Our preferences, yeah. So it makes us so susceptible, yeah, to whatever, yeah. And eat, I mean, how do you want to go through this, man? You want to go through chapter by chapter? You want to? Well, like, first of all, like, what? What do you like? If you're going to re- request, well, so you told me to read it. Yeah, <laughs> you're, I did. you're like, hey, you know, hey, are you reading this book? And book? And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I never heard of it. Um, and I'm always looking for uh, things that people are reading, just like you, yeah, to to, to prime the pump, so to speak. So, and I got done with those other books and I was, I'm doing this huge project at my house for days and days and days. And those are the kind of times where I can dig into a long audio on my, like I, you know, I have, uh, some noise canceling headphones. So you just pop them so I'm out, you know, working ready to go. on gear and stuff. And, and that, yeah. And I can, or if I'm doing a long trip, I have a couple clients I drive four or five hours to go see. And, uh, that's a great time for me to delve in for two or three hours and and stew on something so yeah this just 
I, I, and I, and what I'm doing now with audio, by the way, is I'm just buying them on Spotify. I've, I've done audiobooks. Like, yeah, I've done like four or five different approaches. So one was Hoopla. Yeah. One is, you know, Libby, Libby. And, uh, uh, Audible, uh, Scribd. And now I just go, I, and all of those have frustrated me at some level. Those, How come? Why? Like, what's, what's great about the one you landed on? Um, well, it's, I liked uh, Audible was the first one that I really, uh, I liked having my own version of it. Yeah. But like to keep it? Yeah. Okay. And, but then but then they kept messing with like those whole cre- the whole credit thing, you know, they kept then then they finally did this thing. And I was okay with the whole credit thing for a while. But then they did this thing where it's like, "Oh, you got to get the premium credit." I'm like I just did. I paid 15 bucks for credit. I want to get the book. Yeah. Like, no, no, this one's in the premium category. Yeah, right, like, right, right. Wait a second. That was the last draw. It just like ticked me off. Like, yeah. I'm done. I think I had four credits. I'm like, screw it. You can have them. I don't, I don't care. Dude, I got duped into Amazon stuff for a long yeah. time. Like, yeah. I didn't know I was still paying for it. Yeah. All of a sudden, I had all these credits and they've yeah. been charging me for x yeah. years and that was a huge thing that's not kind no it's not it's kind. like it's like hey hey you're tricking you're taking me, my man. money yeah i yeah, thought yeah. i'd get all these free books yeah. and meanwhile you're charging me up the wazoo without mm-hmm. me knowing about it yeah. what's that uh what's the what's that christian punk band we used to listen to the uh undercover oh, undercover yeah. hey i've been ripped off that's cool. where's my drink to help me cool off yeah. what was that song yeah. remember that one yeah mm-hmm. oh man anyway so i did audible for a while um and then I did Scribd. I like Scribd because it was 10 bucks a month, and they had a bunch of stuff, and you just kind of listen to whatever. Sure. Um, Libby, no? What's that? Libby? Libby was okay. I mean, but my problem with Libby and, and Hoopla is uh, my daughter uses both. She reads voraciously. So she has about eight sign-ins. Okay. And uses all of them. Okay. Uh, including mine. And so, I like, I can't ever get at it. And then I can't remember my sign-in, and it's like, oh, crap. I, I just get frustrated with the whole kind of jumping through multiple hoops. Got it. Hoopla. Yeah, hoopla. there you go. Yeah, that's jumping. why they call it that. You're probably <laughs> jumping through a lot of hoopla. Yeah. <laughs> me. And that's how I, I jumped through and I landed something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you track it all over forget place. it. So Some with Spotify, shit. now Spotify is pricey, so you're paying 20 bucks or 18 bucks or whatever, but they've got all the books. You know, so well with 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 Hoopla and Libby, they don't have them all. Well, yeah, they don't have them all, and if they do, they have limited licenses. Yes. So yeah. So I, I want to just be, especially if I'm reading business books, I just want to get her done. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. want to pop gotcha. in, get the thing, put it on my deal, and listen to it because I'm in the middle of something, and I'm ready to do it right now. For sure. You know, I've got a space of an hour or two. I and I don't want to doink around with sign-ins and whatever. And Spotify's been good. You know, it's been a good setup for me. So uh, so anyway, but the problem with Spotify is you can't buy books through the app. You've got to log in. You've got to go on the browser okay. to buy the books because okay. Apple's got them in some weird headlock with the app. Yes. And they won't let, Apple won't let you buy Spotify books through, or audiobooks through the app. If they weird. did, they would have to give Apple a really big cut. Yeah, 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 There's yeah. There's not enough margin to yeah. do that. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the one. So I so I'll go on the browser and I'll buy three or four books, and then they show up in your app. Um, and then it's really easy with the way that the app works on Spotify. It's easy to access it um, while I'm driving and all that. 
and coming up on my yeah. display on my truck and so forth. So, um, so why would you tell somebody to read this? Like, what would you um, kind of in a couple of just couple of highlights? Like, what do you think that your big takeaways are from this? Yeah, decisions, um, behaviors, like uh, kind of unearthing the things we're sh- we're influenced by and shaped by, and you know, like I said in the beginning, like. I think if we were to grasp um, the concept of why we make the decisions we make or the things that we're influenced by and understand the limitations or weaknesses, it could be pivotal. Mm -hmm. Like, again, not the book per se, but I think the concept or the content of the book Mm -hmm. is really important, man. Yeah. Like in five, 10 years from now, if you and I like really suck our teeth into some of the concepts that the book presented and we were able to get around some of that stuff, I don't know how it doesn't make your personal life, professional life, spiritual, physical um, grasp on how and why you make decisions better in the long run. Yeah. You agree? Yeah. Absolutely. One of my that, big takeaways. That was my takeaway. Yeah. Going back to kind of the Garden of Eden thing, which which is, uh, and it's fascinating to hear Jordan Peterson talk about uh, the, that, I think in the uh, 12 Rules for Life, his first 12. His 12, first book. Yeah, not the 24, not the next yeah. 12. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he 12. talks about the, uh, he talks about the Garden of Eden um, in a kind of allegorical way, yeah. and he compares these different historical deals and it's very fascinating but one of the things that kind of i think we all struggle with as humans is there's this struggle with being um kind of gut driven or i don't know hormonal emotional emotional yeah just kind of like the we're susceptible crowd stuff did you you feel yeah i mean like maybe not every single chapter but like did you feel yeah victim yeah absolutely as a part of that one of my first tools that you might remember this because i think i unloaded this tool on you at some point uh Was uh, a tool I call Swirly. Yes, you remember that no, Swirly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did I tell you about that? Yeah, I don't remember Swirly. Yeah. So, and it was just one of these deals. I'm like, man, I go into this situation, and all of a sudden I feel all out of sorts. Yeah. And I figured out that I do all kind of dumb things. I buy dumb stuff. I make dumb decisions. I sign up for dumb things. You know, whatever. And I'm like, man, it's it always comes after this, like, you know weird i get like out of sorts yeah. you know like dude when you feel that way back out yeah just like whatever it is you're gonna do something mm-hmm. stupid it may feel right you know but it's dumb why are we you doing know? the thing we do yeah. you can recognize it too yeah yeah you can and that and so you can recognize in other people too yeah like absolutely oh, they're getting a little yeah they're, they're gonna make a little squirrely well yeah. and you know on a sales <laughs> side it's like man we can we can like manipulate that uh and that's uncool. I yeah. Think. I think it can be uncool. Dude. So getting into the chapters of the, I think it was chapter two, like the fallacy of supply and demand, mm-hmm. where it started to yeah. talk about like the, you yeah. can get this one for uh, 59 or you can get yeah. the, like the hard copy for 59 or you right, can get right. the digital for this one. Yeah. And or you get, get both, both for one. Yes. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. That was weird, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you're right. I do that. 
I probably did it in this whole realm, like where I listened to the book and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy it anyway. Like, you know, and <clears throat> so what I was talking to Jody about, which I'm interested in talking about in part two is like, how do we take the principles of the truths that we found in this thing and not be a dick? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. How do, how can we help? I know that's a little weird because like, we're not the knower of all things good. <clears throat> How can we take these principles and lead folks, even in a marketing sense, towards an option without being manipulative or duping them into some sham, right? Because, I mean, dude, it's, a mar- it's the way the world works. So the marketing industry understands this. They understand that we've have these anchors or these comparisons or these they're 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 missing out or they get more or the whole chapter mm-hmm. on free shipping and mm-hmm. when it was like three dollars of shipping like you know across all countries it was here and then once they said free even France was like everyone elevated. So oh it's free shipping. I might as well get more stuff. Mm-hmm. You know it's like this weird thing we buy into mm-hmm. and, and, and by accident. We're like, oh, well, it's free shipping, so I don't have to pay mm-hmm. for shipping. I might as well buy more things. Yeah. I see that play out in my life. Yeah. I see it play out in my wife, mm-hmm. in the, her buying habits. Mm-hmm. I, see, I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. And so we're susceptible to the things. So I yeah. think the whole, not to jump ahead, but mm-hmm. I think the whole lesson learned is when we start to understand our limitations and our weaknesses and can admit it. And start to put parameters in place because that was his like applicable suggestion or mm-hmm. his applicable like you know offering. Um, then we're better off when we get to that conclusion. But if there's no takeaway, it's just like oh, well, I guess we're gonna keep doing the things we're doing. Yeah. I mean, the the, the really funny one or the fascinating one or the one that sticks out in my head was <clears throat> you're gonna go buy a pen for fifteen bucks. Someone whispers in your ear, "Hey man, that." That pen is like seven bucks over here across town. Like, do you do it? You're like, yeah. All right, that's eight bucks. And then, like, two weeks later, you're going to buy a suit for four fifty, and uh, all of a sudden, they some guy whispers in your ear, "Hey, man, that's four forty two across town." You're like, eh, I don't know. It's relative, right? It's all that's relative. Right. That's chapter that's right. one. It's all yeah. relative. So it's like eight bucks is eight bucks. Fifteen minutes is fifteen minutes. What makes us say? That like, yeah, it's worth it for a pen because it's 50% or more. Man, it's only eight bucks off of a $450 suit. Eight bucks is eight bucks. 15 minutes is 15 minutes. Why do we think the things we think, right? Mm -hmm. And that was like, oh, man, I am duped. (laughs) I do. I am influenced. Or the whole wine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was in the book or if this was in the the TED Talk that I saw, but they were Mm -hmm. talking about like most people don't know a $12 bottle of wine versus like a $90 bottle of wine. Right. But when you introduce a $38 bottle of wine, it's like, I think I'll get the $38. Like it's right. not the suckiest right. and it's not overly priced. I yeah. might as well get, this is probably a good option. It's pretty good. Right, thing. right, right. Easy one. Yeah. Where we like anchor, we mm-hmm. think we like, we emotionally anchor or we mm-hmm. anchor in a price standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful from a, marketing standpoint if you yeah. want to manipulate people i do yeah. think it's important to give choices right um, maybe not too many but you give some choices in marketing but in that instance from a personal standpoint it's like man i i would do the same thing 
Like if I didn't know shit about wine, I'd be like, ah, that's probably that's probably the best choice. Yeah, this one here. Right. Yeah. Right. right? right. Yeah. Absolutely. Which was fascinating. Yes. That whole anchoring thing, <clears throat> he did that uh, that pricing uh, experiment where One of the placebos, where where they took uh, no, it was around uh, the last two digits of your social. Security oh yeah, number. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild, right? So you just write down the last two digits of your social security number. You just write on a sheet of paper, eighty nine or something. Yeah, and then they had this whole list of things to buy. Yeah, and you end up you end up picking the one you end up like grouping it around the number you just wrote down subconsciously subconsciously yeah yeah and and so if you had a low you know if like it was 02 or 17 or 21 you know uh those folks would price the whole same list they would price them all around your last whatever they had just written down yeah so you go what's your social security number Five, five, three. <laughs> the last two? Last two. Oh, that's a whole number. Oh. <laughs> and your credit card. Uh, yeah, right. Actually. Date of birth. And Date of birth. <laughs> secret yeah, secret right. code on the back. You know, initial. Right. Uh, yeah, my, your mom's maiden name and all that. Your mama. Your mama's maiden name. Dude, I thought that was crazy. I yeah. thought it was interesting also when you jump down to the placebo thing with yeah. the medical yeah, stuff. Yeah. Where it's like, why a 50? And you're not there yet, right? Not there yet, no. Okay, so it's like, why a... Why a fifty cent uh, aspirin works better than a, a ten cent mm-hmm. aspirin? And it's like, or or like surgery, like with the mm-hmm. whole placebo thing. Like I feel better about oh well, this thing was two hundred ninety eight bucks, and yours is only thirty eight, so this one's mm-hmm. better. And so all of a sudden, the people start to believe that they have a better product. So they, so the the medicine or the surgery that they went through had higher results just based on the price, which the whole placebo thing was crazy. Oh, yeah, super crazy. Crazy, because it's like, I guess, in and of itself, if the like the the knee surgery thing, mm-hmm. where the yeah. third group, yeah. where the third group didn't even get the knee surgery, right. yeah, they but just they cut believed their knee. it. Right. <laughs> they believed it, and it had the same results. It had the same effi- efficacy. Yeah. Is that what they said? That's right. So it's like, all right, well, uh, the... Knowing that, could we save billions of dollars from doing this type of surgery, knowing that like a placebo is a potential solution to this problem, although it's a placebo, you know? So placebo in and of itself is a solution to the very problem, which is like nutso. It's power suggestion. It's like where we put our, where we put our value um, and how susceptible we are yeah. as human beings. <laughs> it's a wild yeah. deal, dude. Well, and that whole, whole that whole medical piece. Well, so my wife's a nurse practitioner of psych and prescribes psych meds, among other things. And it's a well-known uh, baseline in psychiatric medicine that they only, the medicines are 50%, 50% of the time have an impact. Like, and that's that best case scenario. You know, they know that. Like, they don't know why most of them have any impact. They just know that they kind of do. Some of them do and some of them yep. might not. Yep. Depending on the person or the situation. But or... when somebody comes in and says, I need help, and they give them some help, like just that, just them proactively saying, darn it, I'm going to go get some help. Yeah. I'm going to go figure yeah. this out. Like that, like mind shift. It's not like mind games, but it's but but when you make a decision, and this is going back to the garden again. Yeah. 
there's something really powerful about a human when a human says, okay, I'm doing, this is going to change now. I'm going to do something. Yeah. It sets some things in motion and yeah, not, not from super funky Tony Robbins type stuff, yeah. you know, but, but just when you make a decision and set your face toward a goal, some things start to change, you know, and you just start making weather. Like you start changing, you, you create, you know, not in a creepy way, but you just like, you just like start changing things, you know? And it's, it's, uh, I see that in coaching too. Like I don't, a lot of times I don't have a lot of good things to help a client with sometimes, you know, it's just the fact that they show up and they sit down and they're like, I, I'm here cause I need some help. I'm like, okay, let's help you. And they leave being helped, you know, and I'm not like, sometimes not giving them buckets of great information or or smoking hot tools like sometimes they do but uh sometimes that's what they need but but really the baseline is being proactive you know and just saying i'm gonna change this i'm not sure how but i'm taking the first step which is intentional i'm putting myself on an intentional track to make this thing better uh and that has a huge impact you know, it's it's the first step. There, you gotta follow through yeah. with a bunch of other things. You know, some of the medical stuff, like they're saying, like what was the one in the fifties where they were doing that heart surgery? Remember that where yeah, uh, they're sawing open at? the guys, the people's sternum, yeah, and they're doing something with you know, it was, it was uh, they're the latest greatest in the fifties. Um, and the the surgeons, a group of surgeons, was like, wait a second, you know, these folks are coming back a year later. We don't even know if this is actually helping, and so they. They made the incision on some of the folks, but didn't actually do the do the do the surgery. actual surgery. Yeah. They just kind of cut them, which is you know raising all kinds of ethical yeah, that's, stuff. That's but wild in and of itself. Yeah, but and they the had that they did it. Yeah, they had the same results. You know, and um, it starts to uh, push at like this whole idea of data or proof or you know uh, you know studies and all that stuff it starts to push on things like religion it starts to push on things like politics it starts to push on things like philosophies you well, know the, well the religion thing comes into play in one of the later chapters like the last one or two where it mm -hmm. says they had that group of people who had the opportunity to treat mm -hmm. and then there's the second group who like had the opportunity to cheat, but they also had to like write down the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. right. If they remember, right. you remember that? Or yeah, and even though they couldn't remember them, even though they couldn't remember them, they they were more honest. That's right. Just yeah. by inducing a, a code. moral code. That's right. So it was like, yeah, maybe we bring back reading the Bible in yeah. school or reading yeah. the Quran in school. Yeah. The thing you're you're hitting on the effect of expectations. I wrote written down this note. If we expect something to go good, it's likely going to be good. If we expect it to go bad, it's likely going to be bad. What we expect influences our decisions. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's a that's a perception thing. Yeah. That's a perception yeah. thing. Like, yeah. our perception is our reality, what we say. I mean, like, what is the narrative we're telling ourselves in yeah. day in, day out stuff, right? Yeah. Peterson talks about that, too, Jordan Peterson. Uh, it's called the Matthew Principle. Uh, which is, uh, you know, to him who has much more will give in, to him who has little, even what he has will be taken away. 
and and it's this idea like success begets success yeah you know and as you start to move proactively toward a thing uh it starts to shift lots of things start to shift and it's not metaphysical right as much as it's it's just intentional you start to make different decisions you stop using your gut you start using your brain you know you start to use your logic instead of your you know emotions yeah to make decisions and um yeah so i so my big takeaways was like man i need to I need to pump the brakes yeah. when I'm making decisions. Yeah, for sure. Even more. You know, I've been trying to over the years and developed all kinds of little hacks around slowing this thing down before I do something really dumb. Including one called Pump the Brakes. Pump the Brakes, yeah. What, the what episode was that? 40, 45 or 6? Yeah, it was just a couple ago. Here. Yeah. We have a great tool around figuring figuring out how to slow down around a, a specific specifically for a visionary person who's uh all right we're gonna do this great new thing yeah okay dude let's pump the brakes here start to let's 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 shift from gut to logic yeah to logic i'm looking at my notes for i have like one or two bullet points for every single chapter here Mm. and there are some things like i'm susceptible in Mm. like keeping the doors open where it might not be um, applicable to like my job per se, but like I, from a decision standpoint, like analysis paralysis, like keeping mm-hmm. the doors open, like, all right, all right, like, what is the best decision? Like, what's the best way to like go about making this new process or like implementing this new thing? And I'll keep all these options open because I want, I don't want to reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. but I want to make the best decision, but it ends up being this analysis paralysis. And I'm, I felt, I felt convicted in every single chapter where like I personally can relate, um, can relate to something that each one of these chapters was saying where I felt like, uh, uh Oh, that was me. Or from a parenting standpoint, from a manager standpoint, from a relationship standpoint, where I'm like, all right, the good thing was the takeaways were, right, hey, there's there's some things that you can apply here that can help. Once you recognize your weaknesses and your limitations, you can put some things in place. And like the, there's a real time example. I think it was like the procrastination thing it it gave three different examples i'm gonna try to find it but i had that play out in my own team yeah there's three groups so the one group had no deadlines and uh, what uh what chapter is i think it's chapter six let me look chapter seven the problem of procrastination and self-control so Remember when he talks about when you have financial problems, if you have exercise problems, like get a partner. If you've got financial problems, allow your uh, work to take more money. If, mm-hmm. if, when, right, you right. Know, when you start to recognize these things. But with this one, it says there's one group had no deadlines, just handling the pa- just handing oh, all right. the papers in at the end of this the This was class. his students. Yeah. Gave so them the did options. It. So every single chapter has a case study. Yeah. So this one was like one of his classes is like, 
hey, you got no deadlines, just hand in your papers at the end of the class, at the end of the year. Like all four papers have to be due by X date. Um, the second group had self-imposed deadlines. So it was like, hey, there's four papers. By the end of the first week, you have to tell me when you're going to hand in each one of these four papers. And then the last one had deadlines set by himself. So he's like, paper one is due here, paper two is here, paper three here, paper four here. Lo and behold, what do you think the, the result was? And you know, because you read the book, what do you think it was? I would think that the turning in all the papers at the end of the year is not a good idea. Correct. That was the last one. Yeah. yeah I think that, that, that would not work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would, they would take all of that time and then try to write them all last week. That's right. All right. Especially if you're not self-managed. Self-imposed maybe, but I think probably that other option where he's imposing the dates yeah. would probably be the best. You're right. That was the right one. Mm -hmm. That was the one that had the most um, productivity or the most success mm -hmm. is the one that he says, uh, paper one is due here, paper two is due here, paper mm -hmm. three is due here. I don't know if this is the case, but we're all accustomed to that. Like having gone through the American school mm -hmm. system, like that's what we're used to, right? But if you self-impose something on your, like, like a date like that, yeah, you have this weird thing in your mind that you're like, I I can unoppose it. <laughs> yeah, well, oddly, you know, I can change it. Oddly, I made it up in the first place. I don't know if it was through like one of the resources I got or if it was through the book, but they had suggested, although the one that had dates to it was the most productive, the middle one where you got buy-in was maybe like trying to find a way. And I actually had three examples from my own team. Um, last year we had the, remember the development syllabus as I was talking to you about it? Like each one of our employees had to have the development syllabus done by the end of the year. And like we had Jody who was meeting with these guys like monthly to figure out like, you know, are you on track? The learners really soaked it up and they did it, but there was a lot of guys who didn't or who had to cram at the very end. Um, there was another instance where this year we had OKRs where I was like, hey, you guys say when you're going to have these things done. And the ones who were super motivated got it done. Mm -hmm. The ones who didn't, didn't. And then there was the other where <clears throat> it was, um, there was an instance where we needed some warranty stuff taking place more recently. And it was like, hey, this needs to be done by X date. And everyone dropped and did it and got it done. So A, in real time, not knowing this book, not knowing this chapter, it played out mm -hmm. true to form. Mm -hmm. Like those guys got the thing done when I had a deadline. And then the second best was the one that they self-imposed. And mm -hmm. the third best mm -hmm. was the one that they had open-ended. And the self-managed people were able to get it done. And the ones who maybe weren't thinking about it didn't. But it's, it's fascinating, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The whole book made me feel duped, though. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm I'm duped. You big dummy. Yeah. You I'm big, I'm you big duped, dummy. I'm duped by this stuff. Yeah. Which we was, all are. Which I mean, was also encouraging. That's the whole point. You know? yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, Spendication. you know, we're trying to move from, and this is, again, the uh, moving from being, being led around by our nose so to speak, which is an agricultural, you know, metaphor, you know, in the, in the, in the old, in the old country, 
Okay. They would insert a ring in the nose of an animal. Uh, 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 like a bull? Well, like a uh, uh, oxen. Okay. All right. Yep. Steer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, and they and that's how they laid them around. They put this ring through the nose or a, a swine. You know, that's how you kind of drag them around. Not drag them. Well, lead them. So you're not making any choices. You're getting you're getting pulled around. You're getting led. Okay. Right. And and we're shifting from we need to shift as humans from that to proactive, intentional thinking about it, using our better our better our better faculties, yep. our more mature faculties. And it's this constant battle between those two those two uh those two realities that are stuffed into a person. Yeah. And yet we're constantly fighting this. And this is where like philosophically I love how Jordan Peterson plays that out in 12 Rules for Life, you know, just to, like, dude, we got to constantly fight that thing. And, and, you know, he pulls out the Genesis. There are two historic Genesis. Yeah. There are two historic origins of the world philosophies from way, way back. Yeah, yeah. And those two get melded into Genesis, uh, which I didn't know uh, as a, you know, lifelong christian guy I, yeah. I had no idea about that stuff um and so that's one of the things i see here in this book it's like man i i must continue to fight from being manipulated by my nature yeah and go kind of rise above that and be intentional and proactive and thoughtful yeah and have good breaks that's right you know um um Guardrails to me, like that's one of my big takeaways. Is like, well, build some guardrails into yeah. your life. You know, budget is a great example. Yeah, right. You know, I love doing this with clients. I have a bunch of clients I'm doing this with now. I I call it the bucket budget, and it's a uh, so take somebody like you know your boss where you own in a business and you're you've got shares and you got profits and you got paycheck and you got all this, and got this asset you're developing as an owner. Um, you're also an operator. Uh, and then saying, all right, what is this doing for your family? Yeah. Let's talk about your family assets, your family stuff, your family, and creating uh, uh, guardrails as a family. Hmm. Uh, because a lot of times this asset, if it's really doing well, yeah, it creates this like bonanza on the family side, yeah. which destroys everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It destroys, you know, a great book around that is Millionaire Next Door. It just shows how these folks craft this business, blue collar, bootstrap a business, and they do this really smart way, build it really smartly, but then it destroys their kids. They like pad and pamper their kids, uh, and it and it it creates this bad life cycle. Hey. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, so one of the things I'm doing with my clients is is uh, helping them set up guardrails where they're very intentional about their family money uh and creating instead of just that's a service you offer yeah yeah to the clients yeah from the family side from the personal side Mm -hmm. some of them Uh, the the lucky ones yeah yeah that's (laughs) that's significant man yeah and it's fun too because then it's impacting you know legacy it's impacting hey how are you raising these kids it's impacting What are you thinking about? Like a couple of my clients, I'm like, buddy, it's time to think about being a grandfather. Yeah, right. What does that mean? And they're a lot of a lot of times they're this is a new idea to them. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm gonna I have this opportunity to well, I can go to Florida, quote unquote, or I can take and teach my grandkids how to handle wealth, 
how to handle opportunity, how to handle, like make it so they're actually able to do something better than I did, like a long, but have it not legacy. kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's really fun to, uh, and yeah. some of this stuff in this book is poking at that, you know, a little bit, very indirectly perhaps, yeah. but, uh, but it's been really fun. Yeah, it has been fun. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to take from it for sure. Yeah, I think I need to like dig into the specificity of some of the anecdotal things that he proposes, and see if they hold weight. Okay. Like, where, where, where can I? Where are these things applicable in my life, tangibly? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's easy. Like I said at the beginning of the thing, like. There's a lot of business books we read mm-hmm. that like, eh, I might have one or two takeaways, but the context of this is like, dude, if I learn my weaknesses or my limitations and we start to learn how to make decisions better, quicker, like, man, the impact it could have on your life from not only personal, professional, spiritual, from an yeah. exercise standpoint. Because he, he, he was given some tangible things. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, like any book, man, it's one, maybe two, maybe five guys who are writing a book. It's their perspective. And like we, as a reader, perceive it and we take it in and we ingest it, however, and we have some takeaways and we say, we're like, all right. It's not the end all be all voice of truth, but it's like, what, what, what can I take from this thing? Is there anything I can learn and apply in my own life in this that's tangible, that's going to be helpful to me? And for this one in particular, like the decision piece, I was convicted almost in every chapter. Like, I'm duped there. I'm duped there. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm a victim of that thing. But not only from a management standpoint, from a fathering standpoint, from a personal standpoint, why do I make those decisions? Why have I been duped into, you know, buying into that thing or buying that thing or feeling like, uh, you know, fear of missing out or... um you know, I don't want to, the, the loss thing was awesome. <laughs> that was that, weird. That was weird, right? Yeah. But it's true. Or the the market norms versus the social norms oh, chapter. Yeah. yeah. That was interesting. I found that to be. That was interesting. As far as a business goes. Yes. Like, that's the money. And I actually yes. have a sticky note here, uh, money quote. <laughs> and I want to share it. Um, money quote. Uh, this is chapter, it's called the cost social norms chapter uh, i put a sticky note over the chapter chapter four i couldn't read it shane chapter four i don't my glasses dude um chapter four so money quote um social norms versus cash money as it turns out is very often the most expensive way to motivate people yeah mic drop yeah, 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 yeah. Let's say that again. Money, as it turns out, is the is very often the most expensive way to motivate people. Social norms are not only cheaper, but often more effective as well. Well, we blur those lines. Yeah. In business too. Well, and we just we just assume, oh, it's money. Throw more money at it. Yeah. No, you know, it's not a. Have you been to that chapter yet? No. But I was having that conversation with my son last night. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like people work harder for a cause than they will for money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I've I've dappled in that because there's both sides of that thing. I remember having a conversation with my son. I asked him to take out the trash one time. 
years ago. And he's like, well, you going to pay me? <laughs> My son. And I'm like, man, it's interesting what people will do for money that they won't do for love. Yeah. Right? And then I remember during COVID having a tough time, like, figuring out what, you know, we're all paid a salary. And, like, there were folks who were maybe not, like, you know, you don't have time for this, I don't have time for this, but you have time to go to Home Depot during the day or doing this thing. It's like, you're still getting paid, right? Okay, well, you're actually getting paid to do this thing. And I could say to my son, it's interesting what people do for money, what they won't do for love, but you're not even doing it for money. Mm-hmm. And and this chapter talks about people work harder for the cause than they work for cash. So it's like if I ask my buddies to come over and like help me move, they'll do it. But if I give them five bucks, it's like, eh, well. Then all of a sudden it becomes a market norm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's not equivalent. Mm-hmm. For free, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you put 20 bucks or eight bucks or five bucks at, at a thing that should be a social norm is all of a sudden becomes like, well, that's not equivalent to the thing that should be yeah. a market norm. Yeah. And then you start blurring those lines. Yep. And so it's like, even in the business realm, um, it says using intrinsic, intrinsic motivation. This is Daniel Pink from drive rewarding people with money because that doesn't feel like the friends or part of a cause, but more like employees working for a paycheck, which will reduce motivation. Isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah, yeah. As an employee? hmm Yeah, so this is where a visionary, I think part of the visionary day job, where, where visionaries get a little lost, especially as a business gets out past 40, 50, and it's starting to really kind of flywheel some. And the visionary shifts from an execution pro uh, where there's other pros that are executing. Yep. Uh, and it's like, all right, now what? And they get a little, they're like, well, I'm just going just gonna to retire? Or what do I do now? Yeah, and yeah. I, I literally yeah, have yeah. like five clients just that are at that point just going, well, now what do I do? You know? And I'm like, well, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Like you, you need to cast a vision for, here's why we're doing this. Uh, yes, there's some money involved. But there's this other thing, and and yeah, we got to get to that baseline of everybody's okay financially. Sure. Uh, but we're doing it for this bigger reason, and and you got to, and it's a, it takes mastery. Yeah, you got to get really good at it. Yeah, um, and you know, it's it's a, it's really touchy. It's a minefield to combine social norms and market norms. Yeah, it is weird. Yep. And that, that alone, like, I think that the book's worth it just for that, for a business operator. For that part right yep. there. Yeah. Because it doesn't, he, he doesn't give, you know, one of the things about this guy, Dan Ariely, he's not given a bunch of um, advice. Voice. Like, yeah. hey, here's what you ought to do about it. Yeah. He has some of his opinions. He's got some, yeah. But it's more like, isn't this interesting that people do this? You know, and, and, and to that, and it's, it's very, it's very thoughtful. Yeah, I think so too. So... I'd recommend it. Yeah, me too. I would say it was much more fruitful once I bought the book and I was able to see, like, the visual representations of some of the stuff he was talking about. Uh, although, like, I shortcut or cheat it by listening to it. Yeah. Uh, I think this one in particular 
was probably better served looking at the book because of the visuals. I mean, dude, even even with comparison and yeah. the option of choice, yeah, or the the George Clooney Brad Pitt, thing yeah, yeah, the faces, right. the faces, yeah. it's like all right. I, I did hear that part. That was weird. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> did you listen to it? Yeah. Have you read it? No. Yeah, there's visuals it, in here. I'll see. I need. And to it actually that. shows the visuals. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it was just like the nose, right? Yeah, he, he just, just like distorts something, yeah. and he's like, "Yeah, when you have a distorted, when you have an option, it's like, uh, yeah, I'll choose this one." And, and all of it is done primarily with MIT or Harvard students. Mm-hmm. So all of the case studies, like almost every chapter, is with Harvard or MIT students. Just fascinating. Yeah, it's cool, man. Well, we're going to talk about this more at another uh, another time with yeah, yeah. Your, your pal Jody. Yeah, for sure. The people. So are we going to have like four people up here? Yeah, we'll need the four, including. We'll have, yeah, we'll have to reconfigure a little bit. A little three bit. of us plus one. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. Good convo, buddy. Love talking about this stuff with you, and uh, looking for forward to uh, more of it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. That was fun. That was a fun conversation. The good stuff, man. That's right. Well, roll us out, Shane, with some music. Uh, so this was episode 50 and probably 51 and probably 52. Yeah. Right? It's going to be several, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll probably break three episodes right out of this yeah. one. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you, buddy. even saying I don't know <laughs> <laughs>